welcome to Better Red Than Dead, a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And today we are continuing our Halloween 2020 fest and talking about The Haunting of Hill House, which is Shirley Jackson's 1959 novel about how there are really good haunted house novels that aren't built on ancient Indian burial grounds, goddammit. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, so um, this is my Halloween pick, and I loved it again on this read. I just did. This is a awesome, scary haunted house novel, classic in the genre, but I also honestly find it like just an incredibly sad book and one that it sticks with you. I was like, found myself wandering around sort of depressed this week, but in a like cool way. I realized too that like we've done a few haunted house novels and I find The Haunting of Hill House particularly affecting. I will be talking about this in the summary, but one of the things I love about this is how it thinks about like put quotes around this like women who are a problem in a good way. And this is like all over fucking Shirley Jackson. Like she loves women characters like this and I love her for that. I also love how in the middle of this book a big pompous spiritualist jackass shows up why yeah. not sure it is the it is so goofy i mean it, i love it. I it's love goofy as hell yeah there are a lot of things that like for all the ways hill house is super terrifying like i still kind of want to live there yes. um yes yes <laughs> i would like to have an incredibly hot woman paint my toenails that sounds great a lot of feet in this a lot of a lot of feet and I would also like to have a very strange housekeeper set out my meals at regular intervals um, <laughs> because I am lazy and hungry. Relatable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Keeps you on schedule too. I really I does. Out breakfast at nine and dinner at six. <laughs> I also like that it's at nine. I really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's over at 10. This, yeah. this She's clearing up at 10. Yeah, we're on a schedule. <laughs> Would I have a piece of toast at 7.30 that I brought with me? Yes. I don't need – yeah, just got to keep my blood sugar up. <laughs> I would also like to stay with people who think that drinking is the solution to all problems, uh, including ghost problems. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think this, mo- yeah. this movie – it's not a movie. It is a movie, but it's a yeah. book, and I really like it. <laughs> Okay, Katie. Halloween, Halloween. Um, The scariest part of every episode we do is the moment when I have to say, I'm Katie, because I forget how to do it every time. (laughs) (laughs) It's very stressful every week. (laughs) Um, It's edited in a new every week. (laughs) I I think about it before. I'm just like, okay, I just have to say it normal, just regular. like. (laughs) It always goes great. Yeah. This is why I have a lot of friends, like because I'm good at introducing myself. Um, but but back to our regularly regularly scheduled Halloween fun. I'm really excited about this because, as Meg mentioned, it is a movie. It is a uh, in addition to being a book. It's a 1999. It's it's two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movies keep proliferating. Um, <laughs> it's what happens if you turn your back for one second on a movie; they just start multiplying. But the one that I'm particularly attached to is the 1999 version with Liam Neeson. He oh, is yeah. he has he's gonna do, do a t- do a taken to the the haunt the hauntings. Yes, he is. Have we talked about him on the show before? I feel like there was a different Neeson reference. Uh, Rob Roy. Rob Roy. Oh, good call. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, he's uh, fairly forgettable in it, as is the entire cast. But the movie is, I would say, you know, it's on the whole, I give the book edges it out, of course. But the ending is is superior. And I know that's a controversial take, but I'm going to tell you what happens in the ending, and then you tell you give me your thoughts because I think it's sort of undeniable. Okay, so re- remembering that everyone does not yet have the benefit of the summary. What happens? So just imagine you're in this haunted ass house. That's all you got to know. So at the end, we have the cl- the cast from Clue. We have a doctor. We have two ladies. And we have a really mean ghost of a dad. And yes. and what happens is everybody decides that the intrepid crew of ghost hunters, including one of the most dipshitted nephews to ever exist. Yep. Fail nephew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> part of the genre of the fail son. Every fail nephew is someone's fail son. Always remember that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, what happens at the end of this is that the mean, mean ghost traps everyone inside. Because Fail Nephew, like, draws a mustache on his portrait. He then, <laughs> then the ghost comes and yanks his ass over to the fireplace, the scary, spooky fireplace that looks like a mouth, and cuts his fucking head off. Nephew separated from his nephew head. And yeah, that might be better. It Who's might, the nephew yeah, in the movie? I honestly don't remember. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah that I, ain't a great sign because i remember who everybody else is yeah i well it's i mean we have Catherine zeta jones and liam neeson who else do you need to remember in this yeah. silly in this taylor movie? oh yeah she's also in it she's yeah. the she's she's the main she's one of the main ones she's great i love her oh it's owen wilson fuck this <laughs> oh my god right <laughs> what, a, um, what a catastrophe of a casting choice you know i'm gonna oh. tell I'm going to talk about the 99 movie too. And I, now that you say that, I still don't remember that Owen Wilson was in that movie. (laughs) Yeah, I think I've seen it twice. I mean, I remember the 63, 64 movie better because I love Julie Harris, but yeah. yeah. I mean, this one's phenomenal. I, I really encourage you to listen to it or to watch it. You don't listen to everything just because this is a podcast. Um, (laughs) But anyway, just to kind of round this out here. So, nephew. Decapitated Nephew, that's a winner in terms of endings. Another haunted house story that I have is a tale, little tale of a haunted landlord that I like to call, Are You a Socks Guy? And the reason why I like to call it this is, and this relates to the haunting of Hill House, because when you can walk around Hill House stomping on the ground, silent as fuck. And... So I went with a friend to go search for apartments and we come to this landlord. The place is like weirdly cheap, mm-hmm. possibly haunted, you say. Was this in Chicago? Or in-, in Chicago. In oh, okay. Chicago. And the guy starts off by being like, here, <laughs> I have to get my notes on this tale. So like, what do you think of the floor situation here? Eh, looks like floors, rich, regular floors. Okay. Uh, what's, what's your floor situation, your place? You maybe got a couple couple rugs on the floor, or you know you like to you like to lay out some carpet, or what's what's the situation? Uh, yeah, sure, like no problem. And then the line of questioning sort of shifts, and it shifts to, "Are you a socks guy?" And <laughs> that's a committed and, position. Yeah. yeah, and nobody knows. So I didn't know what that meant. 
and so it and so I of course I assume like the the White Sox like are you a, oh, are yeah. you like, like yeah, not uh, the Cubs but yeah yeah like oh yeah South South Side sure maybe he's asking about like like the White Sox or whatever no it turns out that what he says after that is are you like a Sox guy. Or a barefoot guy. Because you're forbidden to wear shoes in the house ever. And you also Mm. can't walk around after 9 p.m. Because I live right below you. (laughs) Walk around at all? No walking. (laughs) Try not to walk around. Cool, cool, cool. Uh. Try not to walk around after 9, please. So I maintain the landlords are the true horror. Yeah. And agreed. Yeah, yeah. Fuck landlords. Yeah, we should say that. Uh but Hope uh, my landlord doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, so uh no the, so the the lottery is the only Shirley Jackson that I'd read and and I love it. Uh and I've wanted to read more of her stuff for for a long time. And yeah, so to to go to the 99 movie which I know has been widely panned, but I'm with you Katie. I I I love it or I remember loving it when I was a teenager. Yeah, and and so and the, this book is great. Uh, as, as as someone who who grew up in a small town, I do very much dig Jackson's recurring conceit that these are places full of creepy, hostile weirdos. That that tracks like hundred <laughs> uh, percent. You know, so are cities, but we're just there are so many more people, so you can kind of f- yeah. work your way around. Ignore them. Yes, exactly. And yeah, as a big fan of, of the Gothic, uh, I you know I I liked uh, it, you know in all its instantiations, and you know certainly the my my feel the eighteenth century um i like that this novel stuck to the convention of the haunted house being an extremely extremely horny place which meg you kind of indicated like uh hill house is definitely that um it's a very that's a very key feature of the the haunted house of the gothic and yeah i i I dug totally the psychological thriller aspect is this all in nell's head is she the real ghost you know very it's very the shining if stephen king could actually write endings kind of aspect to it yeah um and you know we don't suddenly it's like Oh, Jack, ooh, like you're, you know, we're in Jack's head, but no, it was actually ghosts from the 1920s in this painting. Um, cool dude. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but I think my favorite thing was, uh, how the terror really is the space of the house itself. Like kind of, it's like sort of haunted architectural digest. <laughs> My my wife was asking me uh, if this novel was basically the the Winchester House, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of that. That's the the reclusive Winchester firearms lady in the late 19th, early 20th century built this creepy, bizarro house in San Jose, California. And, and I didn't know, uh, but then like I read further in the book, and Jackson directly mentions the Winchester House, which I thought was cool. So she like, knows we- her cultural touchstones in a lot of incredibly strange ways. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Which is which is awesome. I mean, that's part of what I love about her her stuff that i've read um yeah i mean so like weird floor plans and angles uh that are, are a little goofier are actually the devil and and i do think that that is a really rich and compelling symbolic register uh that also says some interesting things about perception and the psychology of space so yeah i'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm i'm stoked for this it's yeah. good it's good as hell um so today we are going to be talking about the horniness of this novel its sexualities its couples and we're going to talk about its references, like its 18th century stuff. And we're going to talk about space and domesticity. So um, I'm going to give the summary here. Dr. Montague is a doctor of philosophy, we learn on page one. Uh, 
it's an important you know that's a title that you brag about for sure yeah how people know you're not a real doctor <laughs> True. <laughs> I was say, and uh, yes, like I, I, I don't know. Anytime I hear that, I'm just always my reference is Hunter uh, Hunter Thompson. I'm a doctor of journalism. Damn it, you know, just that. yeah, but, I'm <laughs> a doctor of a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> so he's doing this like project paper study something, and we know like everyone around him is you know skeptical of this, and he's trying to find evidence for the presence of the supernatural in Hill House. So what he does is he writes to a bunch of people who've had supernatural incidents in their past to find out if they want to like do a party there, which sounds great. And um, only a couple of people respond. And they are our proxy, Eleanor Vance, and this other woman who I'll introduce later. So Eleanor had been taking care of her mother for, I think, 11 years, like something crazy. And she's been dead for three months. So Eleanor is free to go to this creepy house. She steals her sister's car to get there. And she drives through this weird little town where she's like, oh, it must be so nice to live here. And everybody's like, nobody comes here on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) As Tristan said, like, small towns are are not Shirley Jackson's favorite. Oh, man. Yeah. Some of them are lovely, I'm sure. <laughs> well, not in Shirley Jackson, they're not. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not yeah. uh, okay, so the first chapter ends as she pulls up to the house. She meets the caretaker. His name is Dudley. He and his wife are like characters in this book who are just there to be like creep creepazoids and put down delicious meals. And be vaguely hostile at all times. <laughs> like low grade ho- like just a presence of low grade hostility. So when she pulls up, Jackson writes, so she sees the house and she says, uh, the house is vile, it is diseased. Okay, so then in chapter two, we meet Theodora, who's the other woman who has responded to this letter, and she goes by Theo, because that's like a sexy boy name. And Eleanor says, like, she is lovely, and I wish I were lovely. And, um, womp, womp. yeah, that I, I think everybody feels that way. I don't think this is just, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the two of them bond almost instantly. They go in this second chapter, they go exploring, they walk through the woods outside the house. Um, they have this detailed fantasy about how they're going to have a sexy picnic together. Oh, picnics are so sexy when all the ants come and eat your food and there's bugs everywhere. <laughs> For sure. They have like detailed things about what they're going to eat. It's, yeah. I mean, I like the food talk in this novel, to be honest. Yeah. Um, okay, so then they come back to the house and they meet uh, this guy, Owen Wilson, I guess. Luke's, Luke Sanderson. He's the nephew of the house's owner. And he's its heir, although he's, it's, what a dude. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, and Dr. Montague is there too. And and he's our uh, he's our host, as it were. And then we sort of get the house for the first time as a as a group. And the sort of like they're the I don't know, the movements among the four of them about who's doing what is always interesting. So that to me is at least as important as Eleanor's first vision of the house. Like we get it twice, which is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So they introduce themselves to each other and Montague sort of gives them the rundown of the house. There are like 
inside rooms, meaning they have no windows. So we're getting very like Mask of the Red Death energy here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he describes the house as sick and leprous, which I think is very descriptive and weird. He says there are a lot of there have been like scandals, suicides, the usual haunted house shit, right? Like make a list. It's here. Yeah. Now, one question I do have is if there are no windows, does that then does it then logically follow that there are no walls and no sweat dripping down your balls? um i i uh i i think that there are both of those later things yeah okay okay because i thought you had to go from the window to the wall to to initiate the the you know the rest of the process yeah (laughs) yeah yeah exactly well and and the the the, asking the red death uh reference is really uh it is really good too because uh, much like uh, prospero's castle uh the the there's no logic to the way the rooms are made out they kind of spiral around each other there's no yeah. like definable central hallway at least on the first floor so it's 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 a weird it's a weird floor plan <laughs> we'll say that the, yeah. the property brothers are sweating they're vomiting they can't stand it <laughs> yeah exactly and it's all a bubble off plum so it's like you could walk around bare feet but you're gonna like hip over and there's yes. this moment where he's like it's bad for your like if you have any inner ear shit get out now yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good luck with your vertigo okay so that night they like sit around in the library again like shades of playing a game of clue but they're playing chess which i've mentioned in previous episodes is how we know people are smart <laughs> um i think that's not actually true here i think it's just like boring and so that's what they do yeah and drink, because that's how we solve our problems here. And then, so Eleanor and Theo go to sleep in their adjoining blue and green rooms. All the rooms sort of get this, like, we. there's a nursery, and then there's these bedrooms that are, um, yeah, they're there. So in chapter four, everybody wakes up. We have our, like, delicious breakfast, because people lay out your breakfast for you, and it's great. And then they walk through this, like, this crazy-ass house. And we see, or like we're narrated to some of its spooky elements. So like in the library, there's this winding staircase with a trap door at the top. The trap door leads to this little balcony. And if you think that this is leading you to a plot point, you are right. (laughs) (laughs) And you have read books before. Um, There's this like giant marble statue and they sort of argue what it's picturing i'm not totally sure and then there's this like crazy cold spot which is again this is like we think that this is just doing like haunted house tropes but it kind of like made up the haunted house tropes i mean not out of whole cloth but a lot of the 20th century stuff is taken from this book Mm -hmm. and then this is also the chapter where theo sexually paints eleanor's toenails (laughs) lots of feet so many so many feet yeah, no, Theo also like Theo is very handsy. That like that's one of the first things. You, oh, totally, you yeah. But but like no one cares because she's just yeah, she's because really she's hot. so hot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then that night we get to our sort of like real first haunted house polter poltergeisty moment. Theo and Eleanor wake up to this like banging. Of <laughs> course <laughs> they do. Hey, yeah. uh, and so they like get under a blanket and snuggle to get the terror away and then 
after it's sort of like gone, Luke and Dr. Montague come find them and they have themselves been like chasing some, something like a dog. They think it's a dog, but they're not sure how it got in or it's like a shadow or something. And then the four of them like- just a regular dog. What if it was just a dog? What if it was just a stupid dog who got in? Oh, and then they like drink more, which is what anyone would do in this situation. Now it's the second morning in Hill House. Uh, Eleanor still feels like great. Like during the day, she loves it here, which is really odd and interesting. And they encounter their first ghost incident that is like Eleanor specific. So there's like two different versions of scary here. The versions that are directed at her and then there are the versions that are sort of, sort of like generalized noises and then so luke goes out into this hallway and he finds this message written in chalk and it says help eleanor come home because there's no punctuation it could be either help comma help eleanor come home or help eleanor come home i'm doing big time new criticism <laughs> fuck you tristan <laughs> it's <This> fine is- <laughs> This is just like the let's eat grandma, let's eat grandma. <laughs> I'm just saying, it could be. <laughs> you can do new criticism with a haunted house story. It's kind of what new criticism was made for, just not anything else. Oh, that's fair. I mean, I'm just like, where is our punctuation? I guess it's an occasion for weird close reading. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's this like weird conflict over it. Like Eleanor thinks, they all think somebody else wrote it. Then they think she wrote it herself, and she's really like fucked up about this. She yells at them. Yeah, they they kind of, they've kind of started to think Eleanor's a little weird at this point, <laughs> right? And I mean, she, yeah, it's like not clear in what I I don't know. I have my own feelings about what in what ways she's weird, but yeah, yeah, it's starting to become not entirely clear, like who's pulling the strings. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then there's a scene later. Where Eleanor and Theo are like each in their rooms, their adjoining rooms, and she hears Theo call for her, and she goes in there, and Theo's clothes are covered in blood, and there's another note written above the bed, and this time it's written in blood, and it says, Eleanor, come home, Eleanor. So, thank you, Stephen King, as Tristan said, we know where you got all your shit from. (laughs) But yeah, just but just resist the urge to insert the like to, to, to take away all the mystery and just be like, and it, then it was a creepy ghost from the 1920s who stepped out of the painting. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was it was real all the time. <laughs> when no, is the helmet gonna fall on them? <laughs> <laughs> no weird menstrual metaphors. Yeah. Uh, somebody, no, somebody had like filled their diva cup up and just did like a paint. You know, they're just like doing everywhere. a full art. Yeah, it's an art installation. <laughs> anyway, so like Theo is freaked out as she moves into Eleanor's room and starts wearing her clothes because her clothes are ruined and it's like very, um yeah. What's a couple? The couple form. Oh, I have to also like put. There are all these like repeated phrases in the novel, and one of them is uh, journey's end and lover's meeting. Mm-hmm. And I want to think about like what that, what the possibilities are that are sort of like in- like bound up there. Which is yet another literary illusion. That's a very famous uh, Renaissance ballad too. Um, and I think oh, it well, might be- I didn't know that. So poop on you for very famous. <laughs> and I think it might be. I think it might even be e- quoted in Shakespeare. I'm not positive of that, but I know it's a it's a very well known uh, Renaissance ballad. Yeah. Well, not known by me. 
<laughs> well, yeah. I, right. I, I if too am well, a if you're a, dork, <laughs> if you're a dork whose dorkdom is old literature shit, I'll say that. <laughs> like, you know. Well, I think that that now is like even more interesting, right? Because like the yeah. book keeps saying it and we are not sure what that means. And then also like it has a billion literary references. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So in chapter six, we officially start to begin to fall into Nell's psyche. I, I would say that her psyche, her interiority is starting to like warp. And we can think of that in any number of ways. So it's sort of like warping into house shape, if you will. Mm-hmm. Come with me. And this chapter begins, I am learning the pathways of the heart. So, okay, weird. In this chapter, we also like, we've had references to the house's like original owner, who is not uh, Sarah Winchester, but this guy called Hugh Crane. He wrote, he, we found in the library this book he wrote for his daughters. It's a series of, quote, moral letters. And of course, it has a page written in blood. Because <laughs> it's creepy. And somebody had a diva cup. And um, he says these crazy things like, under this ugly picture, honor thy father and thy mother, daughter, authors of thy being, upon whom a heavy charge has been laid, that they lead their child in innocence and righteousness along the fearful, narrow path to everlasting bliss and render her up at last to her God, a pious and virtuous soul. Uh, So that's not as scary, but later down he says, Daughter, could you but hear for a moment the agony, the screaming, the dreadful crying out, and repentance of those poor souls contemned to everlasting flame. So um, we get a big hell moment here, and then Luke points out that this is like Blake, which... Yeah. Mm, yeah, Yep. yep. (laughs) Dope. More more books. Uh, Books that are not this book in a good way. And then it's in this chapter that like... Nell and Theo sort of start first start to fall out. We get this from inside her interiority. Like she finds Theo like foolish and and she starts to get slightly paranoid that like are these people talking about her? She is always nervous they're talking shit. She is always nervous they're talking shit. But I would point out that she has spent 11 years only talking to one person. So she's like yeah. has some social problems. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And none of this on her part seems like it never seems malicious. It just seems that she's like sort of pulled into this house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the next day, we, this, <laughs> uh, Dr. Montague's wife arrives. This is the best part of the novel. Yep. So the guy who drives her, his name is Arthur. And I'm not actually entirely clear who he is in relation to her, except that like, there's this weird sort of cuck energy coming yeah. from Dr. Montague. No, I mean, yeah, like what is, yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a cuck holding hot wife scenario. And that's what Arthur's role is. I'm positive that that's what's happening. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Montague is also, it's important to point out that she's a fucking bitch. Like, oh, she's a huge well, bitch to everybody. Yeah. It, she and Ar- like Arthur is the dumbest person in the house. She is only slightly smart. I mean, they're I mean, John Montague also seems kind of dumb, but it's like they are like markedly dumber than everyone else in the house. Yeah, they are so dumb. They're also like a total like they're killjoys, man. Like these people are having like a weird version of like fun in here and then outsiders bust in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't you hate when you're trying to hang out with your boys and and some ladies and some ghosts and your bitch wife comes in and ruins (laughs) it all? Absolutely. The hot woman was here and then like who's this asshole (laughs) busting in with her like her 
boyfriend who's a headmaster but actually doesn't know what the kids study. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Great stuff. Great. Um, Also, she's Katie's favorite thing, a spiritualist. (laughs) Um, She has like this goofy ass spiritualist equipment. She thinks she's awesome with ghosts and um, automatic writing, which um, maybe Katie can tell us about. But it's like, it's a spiritualist thing, right? Like, you just move Mm -hmm. your hand and the ghost moves it for you. Is that right? Yes. You have to go into a trance first, though. It so you're doing trance mediumship, but instead of by voice, you do it by hand. Okay. So she in general is extremely terrible at being a spiritualist. Like she sleeps in the nursery, which we all know is like the most haunted room <laughs> later that night. And she's what like, she do- it was great. <laughs> <laughs> she also comes in. She's like, put my things in the most haunted room. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the doctor's like, "Oh, my dear, it'll be fine." Ghosts are her friends, man. You know, like she's not afraid of them. They're yeah, they're pure uh, love. They're pure love. But she does do in the automatic writing thing purely by accident, as far as I can tell. She does deliver the sort of like the same message we've been getting over and over again, which is like she's she's doing this thing, and then they're sort of like reading it, and the the words that that come through are like. They guess the question is Hill House your home and it responds home. Are you suffering? And then there's no answer. Uh, can we help you? No. Can we do anything at all for you? No. Lost, lost, lost. And she <laughs> she says, you see one word over and over again. They love to repeat themselves. I had one word go on to cover a whole page sometimes. Like shut up, bitch. You're just like <laughs> you're not doing anything. No. And then they Arthur says, what do you want? mother why child where is your mother home where is your home lost 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 and after that mrs montague said folding the paper briskly there was nothing but gibberish and that's like almost certainly not true but we're getting this like communication that's just it's all for eleanor as far as i can tell it's the same thing over and over again like they don't they say on message here Yeah. yeah they're good communicators yeah they're well, they do their best. And then, okay, so Eleanor is, is like, oh, right. This is the moment where, like, she and Ar- Arthur has to patrol the house with mm-hmm. his weapons. Yeah. With his big ass gun. Um, and of course, in the morning, he's like, nothing. I found nothing, even though it was like scary as hell the night before. <laughs> he's going to shoot the fucking ghost with he's his gonna gun. He's going to shoot the ghost. It's a yeah. great plan. <laughs> um, uh, Qu- uh, Quincy, right? From, uh, from Dracula. Right. Yeah, totally. I'm going to shoot him. <laughs> and he's like, don't worry, I have really good aim. Like, yeah. That's not what I'm worried about if you're taking a gun to fight ghosts. In the dark. Yeah, yeah right? Like, this yeah. is a great plan. Get a weapon and just, like, I, wave it around. I bet, you're, I bet your aim's as good as, as Dick Cheney, my bro. <laughs> yeah, brother. Okay, so the next morning after, like, more creepy shit, but, but uh, Mrs. Montague's like, no, we didn't find anything. The ghosts have abandoned me. Boo. Eleanor has this moment where she says to Theo that she's coming home with her. And this does not go well because part of it, I think, and this is like, we can talk about the degree to which this is like in the undertext or not, but like Theo has his girlfriend at home. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And pretty explicit. I think that that's, that that's the, I think so. Yeah. But she's also been flirting with her for like, 150 pages yeah and so eleanor's really hurt of course 
this is where things are starting to get really weird. <laughs> Luke and Theo and Eleanor go for a walk and and Luke and Theo are talking to each other and she's she's jealous but she also thinks they're talking about her. Like of course. This is this is like turning up the volume on her interiority. And so chapter 9 opens with her sort of she runs out of the bedroom and she's walking around at night and she's what she says she's starting to like say these things like out loud she says mother and and she's looking for something right so she says like you're here somewhere 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 and there's this moment where like she knocks on mrs montague's door because she's like just knocking on everybody's door and mrs montague says i am your friend i intend you no harm come in and tell me what is troubling you because she's like, I'm good at ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> so Nell is sort of like running through this house. Uh, so she, she, um, she runs into the library, which is like our, our um, mission control center. And, <laughs> and she's doing this, like, again, sort of like classic haunted house stuff where she's like, she's addressing Hugh Crane. She's singing. She's like, dancing um she's having this like interior monologue about how it's not cold anymore but deliciously warm because like she belongs to the house now and then the sort of like climax of the novel is that she like so we've seen this the crazy staircase before right so she climbs the staircase and she's like banging on the trapdoor, right so she says like i can't get out the door's been nailed shut and Luke says, damn right, it's been nailed shut. And lucky for you too, my girl. So he climbs up the stairs to rescue her, which he actually manages to do. Because that's not where you expect this book to end. At least it's not where I expected. I expect her to like throw herself over. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yes. where the where the staircase to collapse or something. Right, yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's yeah. like interesting, right? That the diegesis has actually been leading us to something that it yeah. doesn't answer. No. Yeah. No, exactly, yeah. So he he sort of rescues her, and at the end of this whole scene, she um, she sort of snaps too, right? She tells him like, "I came down to the library to get a book," mm-hmm. and then the next morning, everybody is kind of treating her very gingerly. It's come up that Mrs. Montague has talk to her sister and she was like i can't believe you stole the car and it's like man of course this bitch is gonna narc right like she's gonna be the person who's like yeah yeah gonna tell on her and it's been decided that nell has to leave because she is not doing well and that's how it's gonna go but we're like as readers we're like wait what the fuck like she lives in that's like she belongs to the house like how is this happening we have to do the stephen king bit we don't get it Okay, so they they stuff her in the car, and Theo does this last thing, like, oh, we'll write letters to each other, and we'll talk about, like, the crazy things we did here, and it'll be cute, and I'm sorry you can't, can't bring you home, because I already have this girlfriend, and I'm sorry I've been, like, flirting with you for the whole book. So, stupid Theo, I love her, but <laughs> she's such a tease. <laughs> <sighs> and uh, so Nell gets in the car. Then she returns to this, it's, I don't know if it's a trance, whatever it is, like the, the sort of like interior monologue where she, she's like, the house wants me to stay. And then we get the line again, journey's end and lover's meeting. 
And she says, but I won't go, she thought and laughed aloud to herself. Hill House is not as easy as they are. Just by telling me to go away, they can't make me leave. Not if Hill House means me to stay. And so she um, drives her car into a tree, killing herself, which is not where you expect this book to. Like, it's really a strange ending. Yeah. No? Yeah. No, no, it is a strange ending. Um, I mean, we know she can't survive this book. Like, page one, we know. But it's like a really strange version of that for me. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, so, but but that does to me get that, like, you know, ultimately it's, like, I don't really, well, I don't say want to read. I mean, this is, this is, it does like what the ghost story does is a fun read. It draws you along. It is a sad read as well, but that like, you know, that ultimately we're not really being asked to envision the supernatural so much as we're being asked to envision the supernatural as like an expression of a sort of like unconscious, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it, it feels, it feels, <laughs> this book feels very Lacadian. It feels very Freudian to me. Right. And, sure. and, and, like, and, and like as all haunted house stories are to a degree, but I think that that re- like Jackson really does end there. You know what I mean? That it doesn't, there's no like kind of deus ex machina or something like that. It's more like, I think that moment you are sort of think to start to, to, to think like, how has this story been kind of like symbolizing whatever the fuck is happening in Nell's psychology? You know what I mean? Yes. I mean, it. it's so much more deliberate on her part than most of these haunted Yeah. Yeah. It's usually the Stephen King thing where it's like, oh, this person does something that's probably unwise and then they're exposed to the elements and they die that way. But like, this yeah. is so purposeful. And then the last moment, just for the sake of this, is like, everybody goes home and it's fine. And well, Hill House <laughs> still stood terrifyingly. <laughs> the funny thing, though, is also like the fail nephew goes to France and his it's little women. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but there, there's this little th- it, like there's a little bit of a fa- there's like an epilogue that where we find everyone at the end and um it's like Luke went to France and his aunt was happy about this and it doesn't give any further comment but you just have to imagine that she's so fucking like she, she just wants look at him his dumb face yeah and yeah. Theo goes home and like she her apparently she's all contrite and i'm like wait does she leave because she and her girlfriend got in a fight yeah <laughs> i i well you know what if you really want to win an argument uh fuck off to a just... haunted house yeah yeah oh wait no I... it's her her friend who is mollified and contrite right so yeah she got in a fight with her girlfriend and fucked off to a haunted house yep yep <sighs> lovely Okay, so context-wise, like, so because we've done Shirley Jackson before, I'm not actually going to talk about her very much, although she's very interesting anyway. And so the context is more working toward the category of the haunted house. It's a long-standing genre that at least it's been here at least from the Gothic probably before. Listen to our Castle of Toronto episode from last Halloween. That is the <laughs> stupidest book ever. <laughs> so good. And then even though like the house, the house is physically a place that doesn't move, like the haunted house genre is actually about like space in the sense of like an affective location. Okay, so here's the not a dickhead version of that. 
<laughs> it's easier for us to think like, oh, there are like Venetian haunted houses and Mississippi haunted houses and Ohio haunted houses and New England haunted houses and blah, blah, blah. But like the questions that revolve around the house as a structure track from place to place. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think so. I mean, I think there, there, there are, there are like historical kind of specificities based on the moment about what it symbolizes, but I think structurally and psychologically, right. I think it always does. Yeah. It, like it, it is always trying to manage the same sort of like things around anxiety and like, mm-hmm. you know, separation and loneliness and things like that. But then it's, it's like what, like how that exactly plays out or like what specifically is causing those sort of things. I think that is the sort of historically inflected stuff. Right. I think so too. So like in the UK, for example, like in the 17th and 18th centuries, there's all this like anti-Catholic fear, which Mm -hmm. appears in the Gothic, but which like to me right now, I'm like, that's a dumb thing to be scared of. (laughs) And and also uh, another thing, and we haven't talked so much about this, but like orientalizing fears as well. Like that, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the only reason to be afraid of Catholics is because of like the U.S. judiciary. Right. I was going to say, oh, you're not scared of Catholics? American reactionary Catholics, that is a different different animal. Yeah, yeah. that's not the people they're talking about. <laughs> no. Um, and then, like, the Victorians have their own terrors about that get located on a haunted house. But, mm-hmm. like, a lot of them just, assume, just seem to be, like, first wives club shit. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that's what is going on in Rebecca. That's what's happening in Jane Eyre. Like, yeah. Yeah, the that famous chapter on Jane Eyre called the 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 Mad Woman in the Attic. Yeah, yeah, it's just first wife club shit. Yeah, um, I want a divorce, <laughs> but you can't get one. Uh, I don't want a divorce. That's the problem. And then the American version, there's like tons and tons of those. I think a bunch of them are implicitly or explicitly concerned with the sort of original American sense of slavery and or settler colonialism, or else there wouldn't be so many built on ancient Indian burial grounds, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This is true. So like, okay, to discuss this further in the US context, this is totally fraught. I don't have perfect categories. But like, here's a basic incomplete list of things that the American haunted house novel seems obsessed with. Not in order. One, siblings who fuck each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See Edgar Allan Poe. Yep. <laughs> or Faulkner. <laughs> Two, land theft, Hawthorne, etc. Take this as meaning all the things it does. It means like a inheritance thing, and it means colonialism. Three, human being theft, because apparently white people are worried that you can only enslave and torture so many people before their ghosts start getting mad. Yep. Yep. Surprise. Four, the nuclear family. Is it in trouble? Stay yes. tuned. The giant houses of Stephen <laughs> King and Mark Danielewski are here to find out. <laughs> large houses, nuclear families. And fifth, I love my large house. I love my, <laughs> I love my large creepy house. And then fifth is like the woman, the lone woman, the hysteric. Uh, and then this is the version I think we should think about when we talk about the haunting of Hill House. Not yeah. the only thing, but it's yeah. the yeah. That Jamesian too, right? Like that's that's the, oh, the yeah. Of the yeah yeah yeah. yeah yeah yes. And there are others too. My goth girlfriend is my house. Yeah, <laughs> my I am my goth girlfriend. <laughs> so because I think she Eleanor is like the 
Freudian, no analysis needed, like garden variety hysteric. Also, this is the 50s. And in the US in the 50s, like we're all doing heavy duty Freud hours, like everyone has an analyst. Right. Duty. And then that was Freudian. Duty? (laughs) Fixation with the. Oh, with duties. (laughs) Got it. Totally. And this is actually like one of my favorite genres of character because it sets us up for some super cool shit. So like we don't have to deal with like whether or not she finds the guy because the guy doesn't help or there is no guy or the guy is a lady or his name is Guy and this is Rosemary's (laughs) baby. That ends badly. I forgot he he made his fake name like Guy Dude Man. Yeah, yeah, his name is fake. His name is Guy. I'm a guy. Fanny Assingham. <laughs> guy Dudington. Yeah. I this is I, just as a warning to people who are listening right now and are like, "Why are you doing Freud? You're not an analyst." And it's like, I'm not diagnosing someone in a novel. I'm saying like there's a literary category that is the hysteric. Yes, right. Yes. These again, I you know, we for this particular listener perhaps we should say novelistic characters are not real, they are word objects. They are not and, people. And one thing that they can symbolize is certain ideas about psychology, right? <laughs> like, right. Not they're not people. We're not doing I'm not doing brain pan shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then why did I spend all this time getting a license to practice psychology on book characters? What am I going to do with this now? You're a doctor of books. Yeah. I can prescribe. I mean, what, do I, what am I supposed to do? I can operate on a book for sure. Yeah. And I can stick a nice pick up its nose. That's how books work. <laughs> it's eyeball? It's eyeball. That's where you put the ice pick. God damn it. Well, you put the you put the long thing in, in and then you Jiggle do it around. the te- yeah, and then your brain's a mess. Yeah. In the sort of Freudian idiom, like, this novel is, I would teach the uncanny, like, with this book. Mm-hmm. Um, as in, like, Unheimlich, not unhomely, the house that isn't mm-hmm. our home and is. And it's the familiar, unfamiliar, like, the eerie becoming recognizable. Um, he says... What interests us most is to find that among its different shades of meaning, the word Heimlich exhibits one which is identical with its opposite, Unheimlich. So um, what is Heimlich thus comes to be Unheimlich. And that's, I think, what this book is doing is like, it's the home that is recognized and askew. So yeah, so that's what it stages for me is like a psychoanalytic drama about being called home. And it, this is like uh, almost almost too obvious. <laughs> Because the book is like, come home. Are you home? Come home. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then like one more thing that I'm going to say is that like something that I love that this book does is that it's constantly like creating and reworking normative and non-normative pairs. Again, in this like Mm -hmm. journeys, journeys end in lovers meeting. This helps us see like the heterosexual domestic is itself uncanny. So Nell and her mother Nell and Theo, Theo and Luke, the doctor and his wife, his wife and Arthur, Theo and this girlfriend that she references but isn't there, and then Nell and the house. So there's like lots here and lots of Freud, and uh, we're going to get to it. 
So, I mean, and I think like, uh, I think the relationship that I thought that's great. And I think like, I agree completely with your, your take on this, Megan. I, I think, I think that, yeah, that's how I was reading all of this. Um, I mean, like the, I, I don't mean to take us away from the Nell and Theo relationship. Cause I think it probably is the most interesting and it's certainly the, the horniest relationship in the, in the book, but I am. And, but I think what your context was kind of helping me a little bit figure out what to do with the cuckolding relationship. And I do think that that's exactly what it is, right? Yeah, like, I think so. I don't think we're – it's like the it's like Theo's girlfriend. Like I don't think we're going wild with our readings here. No. And, and I also don't – I mean because like <laughs> – there's well one because like mrs montague and arthur are both such dumbasses that there's like a comedic element that kind of like rolls into the, to hill house when they show up <laughs> and, and oh, i think it was so good why is it funny all of a sudden <laughs> exactly and so i think you're kind of like it, there's there's a sort of like uh nudging you to like take all of that as like being the, the humorous but i do think like okay so like uh, dr montague has been like the leader and suddenly uh mrs montague and like her hot dumb guy show up and they just like start owning the shit out of him repeatedly and it's so yeah, like, so, but, but but like in a way that like he seems into and like i do think that idea like the uncanny domestic or like the the kind of nuclear pair that doesn't like operate by these sort of normative bounds and like how the the space that that the, the space of the house is like a site of that mm-hmm. like that possibility but also like there's a there's like an uncomfortableness with it that i think gets to like the Heimlich part of it. Anyway, yeah, it's 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 great stuff. It really is. It well, the, uh, okay. So th- those two are just yes. Like we could do an entire. Uh, we could do a whole podcast series on Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Mean Montague. Lady Wife yeah. Montague yeah. and and her and her friend. Uh, okay, and here's my question: Is he is he supposed to be hot? Like, because because the description I that take I recall. It that way. The description I recalled of him was he has white hair and a fully red, red face. face. Yeah. Just like fully. Yeah. So I was horny out <laughs> of the gate. <laughs> no, that's good. I guess like where I was getting that for Italy. Like, so hot, hot probably is the right word. Very, very alpha, right? He's the like, oh, I'm the I'm the manliest man that's ever been in, written in a novel. And, and you know, I, yeah, like yeah. I, I teach my I teach my students sports and I carry a big gun around, you know, that. He like, thinks Luke is a cat because he's like, what, nice to people? Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, if he's not, if he and Mrs. Montague are boning, I don't like. There's no other explanation for what why is he's he there. Doing there, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's it's clear to me that he's there to show everyone how to be manly, and I appreciated the lesson. <laughs> Including and to hold the weird equipment that you need to like get ghosts to your house. Yes, and he's also there to show Dr. Montague how to be manly, and that's at the heart of the fucking kink here, right? <laughs> like that's- yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so- you've, you've solved you've solved the kink. <laughs> well, and also to like, uh, yeah, to shove it in his face, and also to remind us all that doctors of philosophy are pussies. Yeah, right, right. To shove it in his face, and also to shove it in his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I will say that they produce the the funny uh, – like what I found to be the funniest scene in the book, which is – so she – so Mrs. Montague is like in situations like this, there's always the ghost of a monk – or there's a, go- there's of a ghost a of a monk and a nun. nun yeah. mm-hmm. uh, it's 
And it's like, so she gets obsessed with the nun thing. And it's like a nun has been walled up in the house. There's like a nun walled up in the house. And her husband's sort of rolling her eyes, his eyes about this. And she's like, you mean to tell me that you think that the ghost of a nun would lie about being walled up inside a house? <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I have this lady... Marigo or a man, I don't even know, who's giving me secret messages. Yeah. Yeah. Even exactly. though we've gone through this whole book and like the nature of the ghost is the least or the ghost of the house or both is like the least subtle structure in any haunted house novel ever. It's like, mm-hmm. Nell, come home to mommy. You're home. Yeah. Where's yeah. mommy? Mommy's. It's like the least. Like, yeah. of course, Mrs. Montague has to get it so fucking wrong. Totally. Well, I uh, in a 19th way- century novel and scared of Catholics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's a weird way in which she gets it right, too, because Eleanor is not unlike the nun thing. You know, like there's a way that she's. Right. Yeah. You can think of her that way if you. Because she's devoted to the mother and then she's got. She's like living on a cot. She's no earthly possession. And kind so. of the law. The, like this kind of like the sort of ethos of suffering or, or the, the defining characteristic of suffering. Um, yeah, no, that's true, and I, I guess so. I'll, and I'll like I, I just got to try one last thing with the Arthur Mrs. Montague thing uh, that that Please. Uh, before before we move on from that. But that is that uh, I, I think like okay, so like if we think about like uh, the tension that happens with uh, Nell and Theo, and where it goes from like erotic tension into like a Theo's trying to kind of get rid of it is um when like Nell's like i'm gonna follow you home and suddenly so like whatever the space of suspension and kind of that sort of hoardiness that the house had enabled it's then like threatening to like move like to kind of transcend those boundaries and get back to the real oh, yeah, world you can't and, take it outside yes and part of what i think is so weird about the mrs montague arthur uh uh and, and john montague thing is that like no it seems like this is just what they do right like, totally so, yeah so, so they, and, and i think that that's why it feels so jarringly out of place and comedic is that it is like it's it doesn't feel like walled off in the way some of these other kind of like you know erotics are it's it's more like we're suddenly watching like how they get their you know their kicks on like a regular friday night but it's come into this <laughs> space that is supposed to be different or uh, you know what i mean which is why everybody's so abashed when she like barges in with her weird toys to be like yeah oh my my ghost friends are here and she bangs on the door she's like come in ghost friend yeah no that's right so i mean so it it, it actually there's there's like a lot more kind of symbolism there beyond the just like her and arthur bagging it's like everything about what she represents is that kind of like the outside coming in in this way that we're not really that you know, cool. we're not expecting her in some ways we're not that cool with, you know. Well, and she's like the wrong kind of like the, this novel is very into the like the that the feminine is this contest like fucked up contested site, right? So it's like mm. it's not that Nell and Theo are fucking each other, but they're the version of not fucking each other is fucking each other. Does that sound right? Yes. Yeah, no, I th- there's some horned up energy. Yeah, for sure. It. Yeah. And then this lady barges in and it's like, you're not a mommy. You're not the girlfriend. You're not the like interior life of the hysteric. Like, what the fuck are you doing here? This isn't the kind of like women that this house does. Well, she like throws open the door and she's like, you have not been doing science to the ghosts and I am (laughs) going to do – and and she like berates her husband. She's like, and you never do science to the ghosts. I always have to come in and do the science science to all the ghosts. Yeah. It's true. She's she's like 
she's bringing she's not bringing the right lady energy also the house is a woman p.s right sure. right it's like a like a boat right like no boats are ladies and well, so are houses well it's just the rules yeah i mean this no like this house i don't think all houses are ladies no they're i mean but in, in this world in the world of this in the world of this uh book all the haunted houses in that reality are ladies. Yes, that's kind of what I mean. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, th- I think that, yeah, I, I agree with that. <laughs> I agree. Because the that. nursery is full of the worst ghosts, even though Mrs. Montague can't see them because it's like we're doing the womb at the center of the house. Well, am I going off now? No, I'm no, no, no. Weird no, places. I, no, no. I think you're, no, I, I think, I think that's, I think that's right. I was just trying to, connected to something i uh, i was thinking about about which is which is the space right like the the idea like the, the idea out of like you know 19th century psychology for and you know even earlier than that like the hysteric uh and like psychoanalysis trying to impose this sort of like the rational back on it you know which is you know highly like, you know fucked up misogynistic shit mm-hmm. but but i th- but i think that we see that being worked through in the kind of derangement of the space of the house uh which connects to a lot of different things Megan, you, you you reference this, but this is on page like seventy-seven of the of the Penguin, and this is this is like yeah, this takes us to that win- the Winchester House in San Jose, which you know, look it up if you don't know that. But yeah, it's like it's crazy house. Like apparently, uh, Sarah Winchester thought that she had to keep building well, one. Wasn't it? I, I mean, Megan, I, you know this area much more than me. Wasn't it like she had to build like rooms to confuse the ghosts and shit like that? Like yeah, and she also had this really weird relationship with the people who worked on it, like the contractors that she kept mm-hmm. had to like changing people out so they wouldn't figure it out mm, mm-hmm, it, right it's yeah. much like the much like the murder castle in chicago that yeah um the henry holmes joseph what's who is it h.h H. holmes h.h uh, H. holmes the important thing about the the winchester house too is that she did it be out of concern about ghosts of people who had been killed by Winchester revolvers. Right. Oh, right. And, yeah. And, and and also, yes, exactly. And also, I think uh, she also had this fear that if she ever stopped construction on the house, that's when she would die. Like, as long as right. the house is being built, like, her life would continue. Um, but but anyway, so I just, like, the, the moment when the Winchester house is referenced, but it also talks about the weird spatial arrangements of this house. Um, so Montague's kind of talking about that, and he says uh, that, that, uh, that old Hugh Crane expected that someday Hill House might be- become another show place, like the Winchester House in California or the many octagon houses. He designed Hill House uh, himself, remember? And I've told you before, he was a strange man. Every angle, and the uh, doctor gestured toward the doorway, every angle is slightly wrong. Hugh Crane must have detested other people in their sensible, squared away houses because he made his house to suit his mind. Angles, which, as you assume, are the right angles you are accustomed to and have every right to expect are true or actually a fraction of a degree off in one direction or another. I am sure, for instance, that you believe that the stairs you are sitting on are level because you are not prepared for uh, stairs which are not level. So, like that, the, the mm-hmm. space is non-normative, and the space mm-hmm. is like quote unquote crazy in a way that it's doesn't. Hysterical. It's, it's hysterical. It's not just crazy; it's an hysteric. Yes, it is. It's an hysteric, and it resists this sense of like the rational, which is all neat right angles, and everything makes sense, and you can clearly see your way down whatever the fuck you know. Right, and there's no like weird interior rooms. Yeah. I think it's so what's interesting is that it's like so to me I felt like because the house is off by such small degrees it feels like the house is not the the house is not the crazy one it may <laughs> it, 
it makes you the house is like um your boyfriend who says that you're crazy but actually he's been making you crazy um no just kidding but like that's actually kind of what it what's going on here because the house is off by such a tiny bit that it makes that it doesn't look like anything's amiss and you don't know why you don't know why you're perceiving what you're perceiving because it's the problem of received wisdom again. You expect stairs to be a certain thing because that's what makes sense to you. You know, that's the all the stairs you've ever seen before. And these by being a teeny tiny bit off, like fuck up your whole life. I mean, I think for me that that's like uh, that, that you're absolutely right. And that that leads me to thinking of them as like symbiotic. That yeah, that totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's a super helpful way to think of it because the house and eleanor are making each other crazy and also like the house is her mom and again i am in a weird freudian headspace i'm not totally sure why but like the house is her mother yeah yeah, yeah. well right no i mean that yeah w- w- and when we start seeing the messages come through which whether the supernatural is producing that whether eleanor is writing them herself however whatever the fuck we think is happening but like that's what that writing is doing that's describing the mother on this space in a way mm-hmm. that the space becomes the mother right yeah i mean i think so i guess i like i not i didn't i just didn't get i didn't maybe i didn't get it I felt like the ha- the oh yeah okay so okay so uh, like the house does have a womb in the middle of it right and so I expected the payoff to be something different than it was if that makes sense I was reading along thinking like we have a mommy thing happening and she's running all around looking for her ghost mom mm-hmm. and she's talking about how badly she feels that she didn't wake up and um, give Help her mother her medicine and- yeah. And she said, like, you know, every other time I woke up, I'm a light sleeper and all of this stuff. And so she's, like, looking for her mother, looking for her mother. But n- but nothing comes of it, and I thought we'd get something. That's that's totally fair. And that's, I think, why her death at the end is so, like, I don't mean it's unsatisfying. I just mean, like, this book did not end the way this book was supposed to fucking no. end. No. Well, and it – I mean, one reason why, too, is it ends – it it ends not in like the shiver down the spine and like the continual spookiness. It ends in tragedy and sadness. You know yes. what I mean? Like and that and that, but that's not the genre of the horror. The haunted house. The haunted house is like it's a you know it, it's a it's a like kind of vicarious thrill genre. Not like deeply trash. And so I think that's one of the really kind of amazing things about it is it's like your sort of generic expectations really get blown up in a way that but then that really does after you kind of processed it made sense with what the fuck it was that the space was symbolizing throughout, you know, well, it's not a neat. I mean, the way that I talk about it is the mother is like behaving in a way that this is like fits fully into its genre and it actually that ending shows a certain resistance to its generic conventions right i think it i think it doesn't also i think it's like possibly worth reading the end reading the ending part because she says um i'm really doing it she thought turning the wheel to send the car directly at the great tree at the curve of the driveway i am really doing it i'm doing this all by myself now at last, oh. this is me. I am really, really, really doing it by myself. In the unending crashing second before the car hurtled into the tree, she thought clearly, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why don't they stop me? I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. Then that, it pulls us into, it throws a knife into 
thinking of this neatly in terms of the house pulling her home. And I guess the other thing, too, is that what what upsets the apple cart for me about the motherness is that she's been she's been in the mothering role to her mother for so long. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. what shifts um, she she does the th- she does the kind of care that um, or she bears responsibility for her physical well being in a way that you know not everybody does for their parent, but happens m- mostly for ch- children like yeah. that obligation sort of. Well, and I wonder like, if there's a degree to this of like that the domestic is always like a site of constestation. So it can't be yeah. so easy or like straightforward as like the mommy, the house that is mommy called me home because like the 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 domestic pairs are yeah. always like oh, so fucked up and weird. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I but I think like one thing that this made me think of too is there there are these uh, we, like we were texting about this uh that I you know I got super excited because there are these references to 18th century <laughs> novels in the middle of it. I mean, Megan talked a little bit about this, but like one of the most crazy things to me is that John Montague is reading Pamela to put himself to sleep. So at, good. So yeah, fucking good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we'll remember uh, uh Samuel Johnson's famous bird when we were talking about Tristram Shandy that uh, uh no would reads Richardson for the plot, and if you did, you would hang yourself because it's so fucking boring. Uh, so Montague <laughs> says. In any case, the doctor said, "I will not sleep for an hour or so yet. Uh, at my age, an hour's reading before bedtime is essential." And I wisely brought Pamela with me. If any of you has trouble sleeping, I will read aloud to you. I never do yet anyone who could not fall asleep with Richardson being read aloud to him. Uh, and, and then there's like, yeah, he talks about like how Stern's not appropriate for children, and we know that. Um, no, but like, so <laughs> when, when you were talking about like the, the kind of or the sort of like uh, uh, the, the kind of contested sort of d- domestic, um, like so. So, I mean, Pamela is, uh, well, I mean, it's an extremely fucked up narrative. Like Mr. B repeatedly tries to rape Pamela, but then she, then she makes him fall in love with her and then reforms him. And, and like the last 300 pages of that interminable fucking novel are about how much good order she brings to the household uh, of, of Mr. Oh. B's. So, so like, I, so, and you know, so it, it feels like kind of this weird sort of like throw away reference for, for book jerks, but I actually think that's another sort of like, uh, a moment when uh, Jackson is playing with genre, right? Where she's like, "Yeah, hey, let me let me cite this very famous story about like the house being put into order or something like that." Uh, and, and like and, and like a norm, like kind of like femininity bringing normativity back to sort of uh, oh domestic God. relations, redomesticizing exactly. And it's and, and Jackson's like, "Yeah, you know how that's fucking stupid. You know that's not what I'm going to do right here in this novel." <laughs> you know? Right? She's not going to be like, you know. Know what i made this house lovely and now everybody can come visit <laughs> exactly so yeah so i know i mean like and i honestly did not get the sort of like depth of like that illusion until i was listening to you guys kind of talk through the the symbolics of what is actually happening to the ending so and then what he finishes Pamela, and then what does he start reading after that? Well, Clarissa, would, and and that is also oh, dude because unlike Pamela, which has a quote unquote happy ending, it's fucking gross. Clarissa does not. I mean, Clarissa, like on page nine hundred, is raped and then dies. Uh, you know, and so so that is also a very weird bookend that he goes from Richardson, sort of like like the return of like the stable domestic to the novel where he. It just does not do that. Um, so yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's it's a really 
weird, but I think fascinating reference here. Does either of you know the Oscar Wilde thing that he references? No, no I did not. Okay, no. the Canterville Ghost. I don't know it either, but there's like there there's at least a, to me like another like very Tristany moment where he's like in Scotland there's a house full of poltergeists. It's yeah. like because in Scotland there are ghost houses full of everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, she also name checks um, Fox's Book of Martyrs, which yes. is like, oh, right. yeah. yeah, which was a cool thing too. And I'll, it, which is, it's this, it's basically like a book of just stories about like this guy got his fucking head cut off, and this guy got his arms and legs cut off, and then he got his head cut off, and this guy was burned a lot. Like they're all the stories of they're all martyrdom, obviously. So like, <laughs> and we get our like really uh, Paradise Lost moment. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We do, yeah. Which is another one of those, like, the the sort of, like, the fallenness. But but because it's Jackson, all of these things have to be like, you know what? I bet you've read this. It's not going that way. Yeah. No, to- totally. Like, okay, so there's a cool thing that she does with um, – with we, we've talked about this with Jonathan Edwards' sermon, this Hellfire sermon, "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God," and there's this there's this moment where the mean dad Hugh Crane says that he Hugh like, Jack, he caught, Hugh Jackman, uh, Hugh Jackoff, Hugh Jass, he says that yeah uh, he like takes a piece of paper that he's writing in the the book to his daughter and he burns it to see like how hot the flames of hell are right and that's a super famous image in edwards um but he talks about dangling a spider over a candle flame and so in this like the living the living thing that's supposed to stand in for is the book the living thing that's supposed to stand in for the person is the book in jackson and it like so it turns it totally into like the thing you're reading is then made unfamiliar to you as like an object of that that's amazing. I like I love her and I love that her references are just intended for you to read ac- read against them. Not against them, but you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah. crosswise to them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, because I mean, I, you know, as like an 18th century dork, I felt like, oh, this is a nice little piece of candy for me. But then I was like, oh, no, <laughs> uh, actually. Poison actually, candy. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, well, it is. But I mean, it, yeah, it's like, it's it's something that, yeah, it fucking sticks with you. And then it's like, wait, why the fuck did she say that? And then it's like, oh, okay. I can't, Yeah, it's, anyway, it's great. I This was awesome. And I love that there has to be a dad you know, plunked in the middle because there's like no dads here, you know, like, yeah. oh, Dr. Montague can come in here and try to like reform these women and like, no, you're not, there's like no dad activity. There's not allowed to be, there is no dads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I like, like, do like dad hunters, like, is there any dad energy or activity here? Can we get a dad meter? <laughs> None. Absolutely no dads. Um, I will say also, um, rookie mistake to eat the candy in a haunted house. You know, you don't go for the candy dish in the haunted house. I played the, you know, just don't play the chessboard because uh, some brilliant genius is going to be the, yeah. the the white knight. Yeah. Uh, Katie, do you have a game for us? Poison candy. Who's your mom? There are no dads. <laughs> what? what kind of game are we playing? We are playing. Well, there's a lot of good we can do in the world, and it's ghost-related. And the good that we can do in this world is by answering some questions on the website Quora. Cool. It's a beautiful right. website. It's a beautiful it. website. And <laughs> I pulled some ghost questions. And I think, you know, not I'm just going <laughs> to... Quit- <laughs> no. We're doing ghost questions, not skull caliper questions, Megan. I think but. that we could do both. <laughs> yeah. 
I think we can do Skull Caliper Ghost Times. Well, you I mean you did make a really good point about like the legacies of racism and like the 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 concern about <laughs> that like, oh shit, the people that we have uh, brutalized might be haunting us that that, you know, so <laughs> Man, why would they do that? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you don't think maybe we shouldn't have done that. Um <laughs> okay so here's i just like just let's like let's answer these because there's a lot they're pressing we can do as many as as we'd like here we go so here's the first question and we're just going to answer a free form what is the most pervert thing that a ghost has ever done ever ever yeah ever what is the most pervert thing we're just throwing succubus issues out the window right uh yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it, but it can't like so. So what has a ghost stuck its ghost dick in? That, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, the most, the most perverted thing a ghost has ever done. Well, I mean, I yeah. You know, so all right, I mean, I, the easy, the easiest one would be to do the the incubus succubus thing, but um. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of thinking now of like Slimer from Ghostbusters. Oh yeah, good the, the, call. The, yeah. The, the 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 gooiness that he just like spreads every. That's you know, there's there's some Freudian stuff he could do with that. <laughs> also, like eating all the hot dogs out of a hot dog cart is fairly nauseating. Oh right, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking about like you know I you know because we were talking I was talking about like Victorian ghosts right and it's and they're the Victorians love ghosts and they're also like the dumbest most straightforward versions of it like um so you know both Victoria and uh, Albert really loved stupid Jello molds (laughs) yes so stick your dick in a in a big thing of Jello yeah yeah okay it just just. Yep, put it in the ectoplasm. Um, I wasn't sure. I want to clarify. Were you talking about the band incubus or the creature? The creature. <laughs> the creature. I don't. Oh, has anyone heard of that band in the last twenty years? <laughs> I don't know what they're up to. <laughs> um. Oh no. Okay. Shit. This is a serious question. What do I do if a ghost haunts my girlfriend? What do I do if a ghost is haunting my girlfriend? Uh. I would take a page from Arthur here, right? And 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 Quincy from Burn way back when, uh, you know, from from Dracula. And uh, well, I mean, that's when you show up with a. That's why you have a gun, bro. Right? That's like, right. Yeah. Shoot, shoot the ghost. Yeah. Is it following her around? <laughs> I mean, the, we don't get a lot of the in terms of the question here. This is just you know people do do answer, but all we know is um the ghost is haunting. I mean, I think that she probably just needs to do ayahuasca and exercise it that way true (laughs) true i think that's right i think do a little ayahuasca retreat and um that goes to go away right quick and if the ayahuasca retreat and the pew pew shooty shooty gun gun doesn't work (laughs) you can always just whip out your hog ghosts all around the world respect that that's right (laughs) (laughs) Dude. Cover your dick in glow in the dark stars and just kind of <laughs> yeah, you like you like wave it in the in the figure of a crucifix or something. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you do the sign of the cross. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. These are just wonderful, wonderful questions. But one, I oh goodness, is um, have you ever talked to someone 
and realized it was a ghost. Have you ever talked to someone and realized it was a ghost? No, because ghosts aren't real. I mean, I've read enough books to <laughs> oh, excuse, pardon me. <laughs> I've read enough books to know that the ghosts of their authors haunt them. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's I'm, true. That's that's like, oh man, that's some eighteen-year-old shit. <laughs> oh man, I guess like, what if you just you get? I mean. So and I have I have not. How much mushrooms do I have to take before I can say yes, yes. to this question? Yes, I was going to say that I I have <laughs> not personally done this, but I could envision someone getting so high, probably on psychedelics, but you know maybe something else that you spent enough time talking to yourself that it was like you were talking to a ghost. I could easily see my getting uh, fucked up enough on psychedelics to think that I am a ghost. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely it. something I could do. The ghost you were looking for was inside of you That's all along. Right. <laughs> well, that and hey, isn't that what this novel that we just read was kind of about, right? But, yeah, boom. it's my mommy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just one more, one more question. This is a yes or no, and I'm sure this is h- totally hypothetical. But is having sex in a cemetery enough to cause ghosts to haunt you? No, it's just the best thing you can do on a Friday night. <laughs> oh wow okay so special occasion cemetery i like to go in on a wednesday and just uh, see i was gonna, i was gonna say i mean i you know uh we've we've this has also been the subject of a game i think on the show i think it was the awakening when i was like my strident belief that that this is not something you should be doing out of doors because I mean, we're doing sand here, but grass and shit like that. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. it's not hygienic people. You know? <laughs> what if a lizard climbs up your pool? Yeah, see now. Okay. <laughs> God damn it. Katie. Now, like I, I spent all of last week trying to forget that. <laughs> haunt, haunted haunted. by it. If you will. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> What if it's in Forest Park and it's Emma Goldman's grave? Yeah, all right, all right. I mean, if she's cool with you, do if if you could get spirit writing permission beforehand, then absolutely um, not. But, but, unlike, but otherwise, unlike beach banging, which I think even as an idea is kind of stupid, I will say that like the the idea is like all right, I, I get why it's cool. I just I have some questions about the practicality. Is all I'm I just saying. think grass is like less full of biting and like insects. <laughs> yeah, true. No, that's true. You're less Lay down like, a tarp, sand fleas and stuff. Sand but, fleas know. is what I was thinking of, but also like you know, depending where you are in the country, like there could for sure be skunks in a cemetery. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, there could be yeah, there raccoons, raccoons, <laughs> night squirrels. I yeah. made that up. Rabid, rabid bats. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, it's not their bats. fault. <laughs> I'm not saying it's their fault. I'm just saying I would prefer not to get bitten by one. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> know. <laughs> then you have to decapitate it. <laughs> you do. That's right. <laughs> or you know, yeah. Otherwise, you get uh, you know, you just you just got to do the whole shot series. Oh, right in the butt. Yeah, as I understand. Well, it used to be in the stomach, so it's actually better than it used to be. But is it? <laughs> so I mean, I'm just really glad that we ended with a shot right in the butt, and that this has been better than. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we're true to form today. So uh, yeah, you can find Tristan on Twitter at TJ Schweiger. You can find Katie on Twitter at Katie Crywo. You can find me on Twitter at Tessersaurus. 
You can find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Better Ed Pod, and email us at betteredpodcast at gmail.com. But only if it's to tell us what you'd do to Mrs. Montague if you were with her in a big haunted house and you probably <laughs> wouldn't be caught. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, our intro music is Let Bronstein by the Redskins and used with their permission. Our logo was created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Root, review, subscribe. We love it. And it helps us out a lot. Coming up, we have a Clockwork Orange, followed by guest host, friend to all creatures, raconteur, David Diamond, We're talking about Joseph Andrews. Thanks, comrades. Afraid of no game.